0: Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast. I'm your host Jeff Nimnick and we're back for another episode. Hard to believe 55 of these episodes in the books. I uh, never really thought uh, <laughs> I'd have 55 different things to talk about when it come to to coyote hunting way back when I started this, but here we are. So, um once again, want to appreciate I really appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Um, you know, your feedback, everything that you guys uh, do, your ratings and things like that is what made this the number one or has made this the number one predator hunting podcast out there. So, uh, greatly appreciate that. But on this episode, um, got some friends of mine, Chris Linder, Eric Scott. Um, I was actually in North Dakota with those guys here a couple of weeks ago. We were filming for upcoming episodes of the last stand, um, so figured it'd be fun to get them on, talk about our hunt a little bit, recap uh, how, pretty much how the weather just destroyed us. <laughs> it, was, it was a struggle. Um, you know, we killed some coyotes, but uh, you know, the weather really did play a role in that, you know, so talk about that, uh, kind of some difference in tactics and things like that, um, just in styles that you see with different coyote hunters in different parts of the country, um, and then kind of get uh, a little bit of their background, how they both kind of got into coyote hunting, got their start. Things like that, so should be a good one. But before we jump into this, need to thank the sponsors of this episode, which are Onyx Hunt and Swagger Bipods. Now, maybe you're looking for a Christmas present. Um, if you're like me, your wife is probably has a hard time buying stuff for you because if you're like me, I just go out and buy it if I need it. So yeah, my Christmas list is usually pretty short just because I have it already <laughs> but onyx is one of those things that you can say hey hun hey my onyx subscription is coming up um why don't you hook me up with uh, a new subscription for next year um you know i think it's a hundred bucks you can get the whole united states every state um who knows maybe it'll motivate you to go on a, a coyote hunting trip somewhere if you have access to all the landowner information and everything else in in every state um but uh but yeah huge tool obviously you know keeping track of all your properties, all your stands. I've talked about that a lot. You know, it's an ongoing effort. You know, you can never have enough access um, when it comes to hunting coyotes. So being able to keep track of all those spots, especially if you're in a part of the country where you're dealing with small chunks of land, you know, a little chunk here, a little chunk there, and you have to line up tons and tons of places and dealing with lots and lots of multiple landowners, uh, you know, huge tool to be able to store all that, pull that up, look, see what you got going on. Um, So yeah. I'm sure you have it on your your phone. Uh, easiest way to do it is just download the, the Onyx Hunt app on your phone. It'll walk you through everything, get your membership set up, um, and then you have access. Then, obviously, then you can pair it into a tablet in your vehicle. Um, so if you're going down the road, you can pull it up on that. You might even be able to pull it into your navigation system on your vehicle, the screen that comes on your dashboard, and, uh, and do it there so you can track your routes and see where you're going from stand to stand. So, yeah, pull up that Onyx Hunt app. Uh, on your phone, and you can get started on that. Now, with Swagger, once again, maybe you're looking for a Christmas present. Here you go. Hey, maybe you need a new set of those 142s. Maybe you want to try a pair of those QD42s like Rick likes to run um, when we're filming for the last stand. Um, either way, you know, give them a shot. I don't think you'll be disappointed. No, on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about shooting positions, shooting out of the prone versus shooting from the sitting position and, and getting familiar with that and being able to shoot efficiently from the sitting is is really important Um, you know having a system like a swagger bipod that not only gives you the stability um, but it gives you the mobility as well because if you've hunted coyotes long enough you'll know that they don't always show up right where we think they're they're going to show up from we have to move make quick adjustments get on coyotes and make quick shots you know so having uh, something that you're able to do that you know, move quickly, get on coyotes, and that you feel comfortable shooting off of is huge. So, um, so yeah, jump on there, swaggerbipods.com. You can use my promo code, which is CoyoteCraze25, um, and that'll give you uh, 25% off uh, one item, I believe. So uh, you're welcome for that. Hope you love it. But uh, like I said, you want to take advantage of that, you can go over to swaggerbipods.com. Well, Eric and Chris, welcome to the podcast, fellas.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for
0: having us. I feel like we just got done talking, you know? I mean, after riding around in the truck with you guys for about three days, you know? Well, really, I guess I didn't really get to ride around in the truck with you guys on our hunt. But, you know, after hunting with you guys and sitting around drinking beer and eating and stuff like that, I I feel like uh, we've already recorded a couple podcasts last week. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Bring a toe
1: strap. (laughs) and the (laughs) trouble.
0: no it was a great hunt you know if you guys uh, if you guys are listening to this you know coming up in uh, in January on the last stand we uh, I just was up in North Dakota last week hunting with with Chris and Eric and we'll get into that hunt a little bit you know coming up but uh, no it was fun it was my first time ever hunting in North Dakota Um, you know they were nice enough to let me shoot my first North Dakota coyote ever you know so (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't We're even ready. have to hog them all. Uh-uh.
1: There was no dog hogging <laughs> in this
0: trip. <laughs> Chris, you look like on the camera that you're still struggling with your audio. Or is that your hearing aid, like Eric asked?
2: Yeah, that's these earbuds. I don't know. Just, okay. Falling out. I don't know if I'm putting probably put them in the wrong ear or something. I don't know. I lost. <laughs> one. It's like yeah, That's just great. Well,
0: <laughs> some, of, some of our older fellas that listen to this podcast, podcast can probably relate to your struggles it's probably uh, i, I think so
2: i think so <laughs> maybe they, maybe they got some hearings i can
0: borrow
1: <laughs> Be better than these better than these things here. i'm trying to i don't think out which year they're supposed to go in i don't know so on on the subject of earbuds and earpieces um when chris and i ran we ran walkie talkies last year we were just going to try it you know because a lot of the spots we hunt we can't split up in terms of like drop sets you know you drop yeah. a guy off on one corner just unfortunately it's gridlocked it's a lot of mile by mile sections and and by like the third stand I mean I got my earpiece in clipped to my bino harness and I'm talking to him and it would take a couple minutes for Chris to call me back and I'm like Chris you see this coyote you know coming in and and, and then all of a sudden I look at him in my binos and he's laying on his belly talking into the walkie-talkie like this and he's like I can't keep that damn earpiece in my ear so every time he does it I think I have to like ring him first like press the fucking call button first and, and get him to see it and then be like oh yeah what's up you know
2: yeah yeah I, I love technology you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I was almost going to call my kids downstairs. I'm, I'm I'm in Wisconsin right now at my uh at my at my daughter's house here, and I was almost going to call my kids down to show me how to work all this stuff, but I'm figuring it
0: out. <laughs> well, we'll get along. We'll get along just fine throughout this thing. If we yeah. all of a sudden see you over in your video screen doing something, messing with your earpiece, Eric and I will just carry on the conversation <laughs> for a keep while. On, <laughs> keep
2: going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. If I lose you, I'll find my way back. So no yeah, way yeah.
0: Let's get this going. I always like to introduce you guys a little bit. Um, you know, let, let's start with Eric. G- give me a little bit of your background, Eric, on um, kind of how you got your start in, in into calling coyotes. Um, maybe how, you, you know, where you killed your first coyote. Just give me a little intake on onto, onto where you started that journey.
1: So, when I was young, my dad, he'd always bring us out North Dakota. Him and his couple of his buddies had a hunting shack. And then uh, when I was young, you know, four or five, six, he'd be bringing us out spring snow goose hunting, you know, he'd drape us in white sheets and lay us in the spread with them. And I kind of grew up hunting birds, progressed into pheasants. And then, you know, we used to run a couple dogs and then deer became a big part of my life. And then I went to college and I was playing baseball and, and I, I went to a junior college first and then I decided to get my degree. So I got my degree and then it was like, okay, I had a couple of, you know, older offers, it's like, maybe we'll try and revisit it. Well, they weren't there anymore, unfortunately, because I was out. So I went and played at University of Minnesota Duluth and just large classrooms wasn't a thing. I'll just be honest. I needed that intimate, you know, upfront, even when it came to calling coyotes, I kind of how this all began. I needed someone to not tell me over the phone, but like, you know, what, what 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 do you see that I can see? So I took an offer out in North Dakota, went and played baseball out there. And I remember one fall um a buddy of mine we went out to the shack my my dad and his buddies had still had it we went it was a blizzard out absolute blizzard and I mean the game warden rolled up to us when we him and I were walking this cattail slough. we were just we were knee deep in pheasants we shot our three three sharp tail apiece our three Hungarians had our three pheasants and we were to the point where it's like what are we gonna do so we ended up plowing through massive snow drifts fresh snow fortunately you weren't gonna get buried (laughs) and we were able to stay in the shack that night and then the next night we're like, okay, morning, what are we going to do? Like, we can't kill any more birds. I mean, technically we could, but at that point it's like all for what a picture, you know, kill, kill nine more birds to do what, go back to the dorms and, you know, gut these things up. So it's like, well, let's go try and call a coyote. Like I got, you know, I got my 22, 250 to always bring it with. It was just mandatory to bring it with, even with my dad, you know, you see a fox or a raccoon or whatever it was, a road dog. Everybody loves a good road dog chase every now yeah. and then. So I remember this one tree grove that I had talked to a, fe- a rancher that let us go chase some birds. And he's like, yeah, I seen a couple of coyotes down in there Well, at the time. I mean, I'm twenty. I'm 20 at the time. So I didn't, didn't really know what was going on. I'd watched enough Randy Anderson videos, Les Johnson videos where it's like the hand call is key, you know? So I start squawking on this hand call. And I mean, within minutes, I was just, it sounded like a, a kid getting beaten, bloody murder. You know, I don't know what I was doing, but whatever I did, <laughs> these two coyotes come absolutely guns blazing up the tree grove. We've got one gun and I wanted my buddy Heath to shoot one too, you know, cause we were going to kind of pass the gun, like go make a set, try and call a coyote. And they ended up both coming in at the same time. One come down my end of the tree grove, you know, we're 15 yards apart. And I'm like, Heath, I got a coyote coming up. He's like, oh, I got a coyote coming up. And I'm like, well, how far is yours? And he's like, Oh, it's still down there, like 200 yards. And mine's almost there shot mine walked over. And by the time I was able to give him the gun to shoot, the coyote had figured out what was going on. He hightailed t- <laughs> it out of there. So f- from that point forward, it was just like, this is, this is something I can do. I absolutely love pandemonium. I love spotting and stock and deer with, with my bow is probably my favorite thing besides killing coyotes now, but there came a time after I left Mayville and went and pursued uh, minor league baseball. I ha- I didn't coyote hunt for, Crap, I, I didn't coyote hunt till 2015. Is about when that was. So there was like a six-year dry spell where I didn't even call coyotes. That was, you know, I killed a couple road dogs, killed that one coyote with him, and it's like it was ingrained in my head. Like I want to do this. Well, ended up meeting my wife at the time. We moved out to Denver for work for my job, and that's kind of where I cut my teeth on calling coyotes in that type of country, which was pretty sweet. So I just started knocking on doors. I was new, drove around with Minnesota
0: plates. I thought you were Many talking about those see- urban coyotes in the, in the city. No, <laughs> those, those are,
1: those are like clockwork. Now. Oh, you're are- talking about the
0: Pawnee grasslands. Anybody listen to this probably that yeah. you know exactly where I'm talking about, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so we
1: lived in Parker. So for Parker, I would go just straight, straight East. Okay. I'd yeah. Yeah. Straight East. Of, and I'd make a loop up near the airport. And I'd come down around there, knock on a couple doors, and there were just a couple couple ranchers that were like, yeah, deer hunting's over, you know, go ahead. Well, I cut my teeth, and I actually was able to call in coyotes. I didn't really figure out a system. I didn't figure out patterns. I just was really good at at, sc- at scouting. A, I was always looking for giant deer because I didn't know at the time how hard it was to draw that tag for <laughs> even a oh, resident. Yeah. Even, you know, so it was like I'd see giant mule deer. And then I'd look and I'd see coyotes not far from the mule deer or the whitetail herds, you know, at the time when I was hunting them in the, in the snow, when they did have snow. So then it was like, okay, these coyotes are following deer. I always always seen them around cattle. It's nothing new to anybody now. But those were the types of things that I started to put together. And then her and I ended up moving back. And that's really when it got going. And for me living in Minnesota, I don't get to hunt as much as I want. It might look like it. But, you know, guiding with Terry out at the ranch, the birds take up a lot of time. So really, once November hits, it's solid deer for my wife, myself, my dad, and my daughter now that she's turning 12 next year. So that's kind of going to be on my thinking. So any chance I could get in a coyote tournament, I was going to jump right into a coyote tournament. I love competition. Whether I get spanked or not, to me, it doesn't matter. I just love it. Now, it's starting to matter because I'm starting to delegate what I enjoy the most and and coyote hunting might start to surpass archery deer here pretty soon, you know, on foot. Like I said, I love, I love the chase on foot, but this whole coyote thing, the way it's evolved over the last three or four years, absolutely fallen in love with it. Just the, when you piece it together, you know, and like I said, I get to hunt 10 to 15 days a year, maybe that's, that's the, the dead honest truth. And I'd say about 12 of them are with Chris and the other would be with Terry down at the lodge, you know? So we try and jump into tournaments. We might fun hunt every now and then, but for the most part, it's, you know, we're really putting together pins on our map now where it's like, okay, we've killed coyotes here. We can go back and kill these coyotes. And that's kind of how it got started for me, you know?
0: Nice. Back to that first coyote. I have a question about that story. So, so I'm picturing this setup in my head. So obviously you didn't know what you're doing at the time.
1: No right. idea, except so the wind you were was in ha, my like, face. How
0: wide? I, I'm picturing you hiding on one side of the tree row and your buddy's on the other, but he doesn't even have a gun with him.
1: Had no gun, Had shotgun actually had a shotgun.
0: And but you're like, What like was it a single tree row wide? or like, like about, multiple I'd
1: say about like the tree grove you killed your first coyote in, in North Dakota, it was you know 10 yards wide, maybe but enough
0: where you that, could hear yeah. him talk to each other.
1: Oh, hunter, we could yeah, talk straight yeah. through wind in our face. I knew <laughs> at the time it's like, I gotta get the wind in my face. Like, if I'm hunting like this, like I would hunt deer. I either got to get a crosswind or get this wind in my face.
0: So then you jumped up and went crashing through the tree row to hand him your gun. Oh, so yeah. you could, maybe you thought the coyote 100%. might be stupid enough to stand there. Hopefully <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, you've come a long way, Eric. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, now, Chris, yeah. I, I, I bet you, Chris has probably got even a better story than that. I bet for his first coyote, I'm assuming. Oh Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I still oh, no. I hear a new story every time. Oh, it's a new one I every love time? Well, what, what, what's oh, I love, the story no, of the not.
0: week this time, Chris? Come on.
1: <laughs> not of his well, first coyote, just of all his trapping and his chasing him with his dogs. I love and, it when I sit in the truck. It's like, dude, tell me another <laughs> one. Like, what did you used to do?
2: My, my very first coyote that I ever shot, um, actually, I, now if you want to go to my first coyote I shot that I actually called in or my first coyote that I shot. Cause the very first coyote that I shot was actually in a trap um i did do some trapping my dad taught me trap and stuff and that would have been in 1985. so we're getting back
1: there louise i'm
0: kind of Damn, you are dating yourself now Damn. <laughs> Dude,
2: i was
1: in my mom's womb at that time <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but that
2: that coyote i actually had set a trap on a, on a on a logging road and uh and i i i made a dirt hole with a trap on each side of it and uh and that and this uh this coyote managed to get one foot in each trap, and there he sat with both his both his feet crossed. And I walked up to that coyote man. And I was that's the first time I've been up close and personal with a coyote. I mean, ever. And and you know, and all I had was my 12 gauge shotgun, um, an old shotgun that's actually hanging on my wall at home now on a on a pretty cool duck mount. But um, I had that 12 gauge shotgun that my mom had bought for me. And and so I walked up about five feet from that shotgun and I shot him right square in the face. Um, <laughs> that was my first. <laughs> you know, so I did wonders for the, for the pelt, as you can imagine. You know, yeah. I mean, I you know, turned turn my hat down, it was probably about a, a $10 coyote anyway, but I turned it into about a $3 coyote. Um, what state anyhow, was that in? Uh, that, that would have been in Wisconsin.
0: Wisconsin, so, all right. Is Wisconsin,
2: where I grew up. And then, uh, then I, I really kind of started calling coyotes. And like, as a kid, I had a little, uh, you know, Burnham Brothers uh, cassette tape um, that I used to put in a little boom box that we had. You know, oh, was, yeah, yeah batteries in it we'd sit out there and play the squealing rabbit and stuff and you know we, we had our little 22s you know we didn't know much i mean occasionally we'd get a fox or something to come right in there. we'd get and, and wisconsin's hard calling because it's so thick woods you know i mean it's just really really tough to getting close to a coyote um you know because i would go down windy you know and you can't see more like 50 yards in most places in the thick woods so it's really tough to, to to really call there but when i moved to montana um I, after the after I was in the service, I was in the Navy, and after I got out of the Navy, I went to Montana, and and out there I started calling coyotes a little bit. Um, I actually howled in my first coyote. I bought a Loman howler, one of them old, had the old plastic tube on it, you know, the whole nine yards. And yep. I I remember just trying to, I didn't even know what, what I should even sound like, you know. And I remember blowing on the thing a couple times, and all of a sudden this coyote come I'm just flying over the hill, and I had a, had a little old coast to coast 222 that was uh, was my grandpa's. I still have it today, and I remember that coyote come running over the hill and I shot him and, and that like even though I had done it a little bit previously to that that was like lit the fire right there for me you know I mean it was like when that coyote used to come charging over the hill at me and uh, I don't know something about that I mean my blood got pumping so much and I was like I was addicted from then on you know and I, and I started calling and and then uh, when I moved to North Dakota um, we really had some had some pretty good coyote calling out there and and uh and that's really where I kind of from there, my you know my passion grew. I mean, I think I've bought just about every predator call on the market. You know, ever, <laughs> that's ever been out there, from any calls to electronics. You know, I've I've had most all of them, and and I don't know. I still get just about as excited as I did when that very first coyote came running And You know, when you see one coming, it's just you know. I, I think if that's in here it's not. You know, and if it doesn't excite you, then you know why well, do it? But I I still get excited every time I see a coyote come running in. That's, it never gets old.
0: I think 100%. I think that's you talk to anybody that's got the bug like we all do for coyotes. That's exactly it. Right. Like the, if you've seen a thousand of them or 10 of them come running to the call, it's still the, get you the same way, no, you know, never gets old. Absolutely. Yep. So, you know, to me, you know, some of the, some of the best friends I have now, you know, I've met through coyote hunting, um, you know, to me, it's always about the camaraderie, right? Like the people you meet, you know, I love hunting with people. You know, coyote hunting is one of those things to a lot of people that it's like, oh, my God, we can only do this with one or two guys, right? We can't have all these guys. Well, as you saw when we came up and filmed, you know, we had five, five of us hiding on the hillsides, you know, six of us hiding on the hillsides, Um, you know. So you two actually met through coyote hunting, correct?
1: Uh,
0: yeah, we are, oh, through hunting, hunting, essentially, but coyote hunting is what we, kind of... Brought you together?
1: together. Well, actually, what brought us together is um, I didn't know Chris at the time when I was going out to where my dad and his couple buddies had their shack, you know. So in college, like I said, I was going out there, never ran into Chris. He didn't have the cafe at the time. And uh, I remember going back out and uh, I was with my my best friend Heath and my cousin Jake. And we were out there snow goose hunting, spring snow goose. And, uh, Chris and I had ran into each other once he started the cafe and, you know, we'd see each other, but like I said, Minnesota plates, it's just an ongoing battle that you're never going to win when a non (laughs) resident you know, when your non-resident comes in, you already got a hashtag next to your name. And it's like, you got to do everything in your power to prove your worth. You know, it's like, I gotta, I gotta show this guy, like, look, I'm here to hunt. I want to kill shit, whether that's ducks, geese and Chris loved to hunt waterfall. So we actually shared the field hunting spring snow goose. And I don't know if I told you this, but I found, well, I found the roost. Chris knew where it was because it was only a couple of miles north of his house. And uh, we ran into him and we're like, hey, we found a roost. You know, do you want to go hunt? And I remembered him, him and Han, like, uh, fuck, you know, never shared a yeah. field with this kid before. He was just a young guys. punk and his, his two buddies. Yeah, I got blue plates. It's like, oh, this kid's trouble right away. And actually, it was probably one of the most memorable hunts with not with my father like we'll put it that way we we woke up the next morning you couldn't see your hand in front of your face there was so much fog there was no wind so right away he's like yeah i think the decoy spreads we're not going to do it so i'm looking at my cousin and my 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 best friend and i'm like what the fuck is this guy talking about and like, we mean no no. De- we're not going to put any deeks he grabs his cassette tape or whatever speaker system he had he's got two speakers going out from these cords and he's got, he starts playing it. We're sitting by these grain bins in the middle of a pick cornfield. I mean, we're 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 using the grain bin as our our blind. And <laughs> it was um it was only a matter of time when it became shooting hours. He turned the collar on, and you could I mean you could hear the roost. They were a mile and a half maybe, Chris, two miles away maybe as the crow flies. Yeah, and they just started coming over in waves. And I mean, you couldn't see them, but you could hear them. And then finally, when the the fog would kind of start to break, you'd see just little shooting lanes up. And I mean, there, you could throw rocks up and hit them. That's how low they were. And I remember (laughs) at one point, I mean, I just looked and couldn't see, but I could hear, and I just started shooting. I think we all just started shooting and all of a sudden just, thump, 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 birds are just dropping. And we're like, oh, this is epic. Well, Chris had an old Chesapeake Bay Retriever that was kind of on his last leg. So it was a fun hunt we got to share together with him, my dog, its pretty much, you know, the last stunt of his life, his long life he had. We piled him up. I mean, I don't know, we shot 70, 80 birds, with no decoys and an e caller playing. And, uh, and then from that day forward, it's like Chris became one of my very good friends because it's like, okay, we built trust. This was fun. I can get along with this guy. Yeah, he's a little older than me, but he can keep up. And he knows what he's doing um, when it comes to scouting birds or finding coyotes or finding big deer. And it was just, we just meshed well. You know, and, and then it was like, do you like duck hunt coyotes? Oh, I love to coyotes. It's like, why? Well, I just, I heard these coyotes howling back here. You know, maybe we could go, you know, make a set sometime. And we ended up going to make a set and killing coyotes. And then it was like from that day forward, I don't know, six, five, six years ago, it was just any chance I got that I could come out. I was coming out and I, I haven't brought my shotgun out here in five years. That's how much coyote hunting's just taken over. I don't even bird hunt much anymore. I haven't shot a pheasant in a while. I haven't shot a duck in a while. And that used to be life you know for me in college and with my dad but like I said once Chris and I realized it's like fall for him you know September to I'd say early very early November is he's just gung-ho ducks and geese because he's good at it I don't even come out anymore it's like tell me when you're done and then we can start (laughs) calling coyotes well then you run into the deer you know so now you got opening a deer hunting and anybody knows North Dakota deer hunting it's like you don't even go out like you're you just don't, it's just the orange army's running around everywhere. The coyotes are on the edge. And so we kind of wait till, you know, I'd say, you know, when you guys came up, that's probably the earliest I've ever hunted coyotes with Chris. We usually wait till there's knee deep knee-deep snow, which is unfortunate,
0: but you know, we kind of yeah, like to tell let you guys didn't know how out. to react getting into places where we could drive right in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I said, dude, I've never seen these spots from the road before. Like this is crazy. <laughs>
0: So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking of the snow goose story real quick, the snow goose story. How many of these snow geese bounced off these grain bins as they're falling from the sky? <laughs>
2: I'll let you take it, Chris. Yeah, I think we had a couple that bounced off the grain bins, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, they were we had birds piling up everywhere. That was fun. You know, it just, it just goes right back to, and that's something that I've always been for myself. I have always, always, um, aspired to do. I love calling stuff, and I don't care if it's a, uh, if it's bugling for elk, if it's, uh, if it's, you know, rattling and grunting for white-tailed deer, um, calling for ducks and geese, uh, calling coyotes, I just, I don't know. I've always just loved to call stuff, um, you know, and that's it's just something that's been, I don't know, some people like it, some people don't, some people like to just sit and be quiet or, or, you know, hunt or stalk or sneak or whatever. To me, I just, there's something different about calling. It's like just letting them know right where you are. And it's, I don't know, and like with coyotes, you know, it's, it's, it's changing from, you know, you're kind of becoming the prey or, you know, you know, you know instead of like hiding from them is you know, you're telling them hey here I am you know let's go man. and and I, I just I just love calling I don't know something about it I just really
0: enjoy it mm-hmm. so the first time you guys got together on that first coyote oh. hunt Eric were you kind of like okay I'm just gonna lay low I'm gonna let Chris do his thing because it's always weird right when you hunt with somebody for the very first time especially the coyotes calling? it's like yeah it's like okay who, who's gonna do the calling you know, do I want to do this? Whose place are we going to? You know, there's all this logistic stuff that you got to kind of get through, right? Oh, yeah.
1: It's like some of them guys you run into at tournaments. You know, when you're like, what do you back to You What we call them on it and you get them guys that will tuck their tail and they're like, oh, you know, we got a couple sounds. It's like, oh, knock it off. Knock it off we're just give it a rest. Like it's a coyote, you know, you're either hollering them, you're calling them, you're challenging them, you're whatever, whatever it is, right. You're playing prey play distress, but you know, it was funny. Cause like when we first started to hunt together, it was literally that like, well, wh- where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. Wh- what were you thinking? It's like, who's going to bite first? Like, <laughs> all right, dude, fine. We're going to this spot I got. And and then we'll go to yours next or you can call this time and, and then I'll call the next stand. And, you know, once we figured out a pattern, you know, I'd say we were on the same page pretty quickly. Cause you know, now it just depends. Like, I remember one episode you did, you gave giving the remote to Rick and you're like, I just not calling it. It said something about what I'm pressing. Like, I'm going to give it to Rick and then Rick's just like, Oh, here, they're, they're going to start coming in, you know? <laughs> so if Chris and I go through a spell like that and it's like, I drew blank on three stands. It's like, take the remote. I'm going downwind. And a lot of times in our tournaments, I mean, like I said, the snow is miserable. And when I mean miserable, we're snowshoeing in. So I think time management is a big thing of what I wish we had on our side when it comes to tournaments in February and late January out here where we aren't, because they're these, like I said, they're mile by mile sections and you have to walk into them. Everybody calls them off the road here. You walk in two, 300 yards, get up over the hill, call them. But Chris and I kill more cuts when we walk in, you know? So <laughs> once we started to do that, it, it just, we just became in sync. And then it, the trust, you just let your guard down. It's like, I trust this guy. You know, and he trusts me and I'll never backdoor somebody ever. Absolutely never. And Chris knows that. Like if I've ever been in a tournament where he wasn't my partner and I was hunting with another buddy or someone from out North Dakota, Hey, Chris, you mind if I hit that public spot, even a public spot, I'm just never going to do it without asking somebody first. If they say, yeah, you know, I'd rather not, I'd like to save that then I'll find another one, you know? And I think once him and I built that trust, it's like, I don't want to hunt with anybody else. Like I love hunting with new people. Don't get me wrong, but it was just like, you know, we're in sync, you know, and I think that's, that's what you need to find when you're, whether you're calling coyotes with a partner in a tournament or you're just doing it for fun, because I don't want to go out and screw up the set, even if it's for fun. Like we want to kill a coyote, you know, and, and then make mental notes of what we did right or what we did wrong and fix it for the next one.
0: Well, that's a good point. You know, my oldest boy, he's, he's a junior, so he's old enough to drive. He spent the winter hunting. Well, of course, all of his buddies want to go with him, right? And so after, you know, a month of this going on, I I had to sit down and say, Craig, and I said, so let me get this right. I said, you're taking your truck hunting all the time. You're going to your spots that you got permission on. And all you're doing is your buddies are just coming along to do what? You know, (laughs) well, dad, I'm like, all right, dude, I got to teach you. I got it. There's got to be a mutual relationship here, right? When you find a good,
1: group of dudes that you hunt
0: with everybody understands that right that okay hey i gotta contribute to some way you know maybe i don't have the ground right today so i'm paying for the gas okay or whatever it may be right i mean there's there's all kinds of ways you can contribute you know but uh, it's funny because it's all stuff that we've all learned over the years you know hunting with different guys and getting burned Mm -hmm. and like damn i ain't with that guy anymore you know things like that come (laughs) up you know but yeah it's it's interesting I, it's you know told me 10 years ago that'd be something i had to teach my boy i'd be like no i would never have thought of that you know but seeing him go through that i'm like all right i know they're your buddies but you right. sooner or later you got to say hey you start dishing out for some gas money and then i said yeah then you're pretty much just taking them on a guided hunt <laughs> you know yeah but you know <laughs> right. hey if they have some stuff go hunt their stuff so it's got to be mutual yeah Chris drives you know, like, John, I'm just like, like Chris.
2: Like You know, like when you came out by us, there, you know, you know, yeah, we we hunted like the, you know, the first day or two, you know, I mean, we, we hunted, we, you know, I, I had a bunch of ground kind of up north and, and 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 south of town and we went and hunted a lot of my ground and then the, then the last day then, and it was like, all right, Eric was up the bat, we went and hunted his ground, you know, yeah. I mean, we just, we just shrugged down and, and we do that even, even like in our tournaments and stuff like that too. It's like, well, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's hunt my ground up here and you got ground over there and you know, and we're constantly always, both of us are always you know looking for new ground you know talking to, to other landowners and stuff and constantly getting new stuff and you know and we you know you, everybody contributes a little bit to you know to what you got going on and, and
0: what's well, a huge part you know land access is huge and if you got two guys lining up stuff as opposed to one right like why not you know right. i
2: mean mm-hmm. yeah and, and yeah. we even do it kind of geographically even too you know i mean i you know they a lot of our ground has, has crossed paths. I've hunted ground that, that Eric's hunted and vice versa, you know, over the years and stuff, but it's kind of like, it's almost kind of like we got stuff that it's like, I know a lot of people like up in a certain area, like up North or something, for example, and I'll, so I'll just kind of keep getting permission from people up North. And so I don't even bother with going down South, you know, he's got a lot of stuff down South. So he kind of, he keeps broadening that ground down there. You know, we kind of work it that way too. And it works out good. Then we're not stepping on each other's toes and stuff too, you know, and we'll find, we'll find a new ground and uh, keep things going.
0: When you guys first started hunting together, did you ever pull into a spot like, let's say, Chris? You had this spot and you pulled in there, like, "Hey, I'm going to take you to this spot of mine, Eric." And then you pulled in there, and Eric's like, "Oh, I've been here before."
1: Oh, tell him about the one. Tell him about that one, Chris. We went into that set, you, me, and Jake, and I was like, "Yeah, I found this nice WPA, and I heard some coyotes hollering when we were fishing offshore." And we walk in there, and he's like, "Oh shit! Well, I'm gonna go sit up by that rock pile because I've sat there before." And there's, I found a video camera up there. Some guys, in it had film from back yeah. in the day. Of yeah, yeah, I, I did, and I never,
2: did, and I never even did find the guys who, who had the camera. I couldn't even track them down. We, there was a spot, you know, he, that was actually our that was our very first uh, the very first time we coyote hunted together.
0: Whoa! whoa, whoa. Um, so you found a video like a video like still up on a tripod, or was it like just set on the ground, like?
2: No, what had happened is there was a, there was some old farm equipment. It's an old old abandoned farmyard. Uh, the house isn't even there anymore, and they just they got some random equipment laid up there and some old equipment and a couple of grain bins. And it's there's some, there's some uh, rush loose and stuff in there. And it's you know kind of almost like that last set that we made um, when you hunted there. And yeah. It's just a, it's just a, you just look and you oh there's that piece of equipment sitting up on top of the hill. It's just something to hide by? So you can actually go to it. It's a it's a it's a good spot. So I I go up there and I. And I go sit down by I can't remember what it was. It was a I don't know just some little random piece of equipment, an old digger or something. But anyway, so I go up there and I and I and I go sit down to call on that and and I look over and I see this little black bag. Um, it looked like about about the size of one of my earbuds again, about the size of a, um like like a small like little fanny pack. And I'm like, oh, what's this little bag sitting there? You know, it had been raining. It was wet. It was not the fall of the year. I was out duck hunting and I decided to just go make a set for coyotes and. And it had been raining like crazy. And so I go over there and and I pick this thing up and I'm like, what the heck is this? And I open it, unzip it. And here's a, a Sony, like a $1,500 Sony camcorder, you know, in there. I mean, a nice camcorder for the day. You know, this was probably oh, over 10 years ago now or more. Um, and so I didn't even turn it on. And I, I threw it up on here, in my, my truck as I hunted throughout the day. And I thought, I'll dry this thing out. Didn't know how long it was there. If it was like from the year before or what, you know, I mean, and so then I, I get back to the cabin, and it's been on the heater all day, so I thought, I'll try and turn this thing on. So I turn it on, and it, it powers up, and, and and I open up. Well, here's these guys sitting there, and they're calling coyotes, so they killed a coyote. And I had the one guy's name, his first name. He called the one guy by somebody. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out who these guys are. Nobody's ever ever known these guys, knows who they are or nothing. And But, yeah, here was their camcorder with one coyote hunt on it. But they, they must have set it down, you know, when they're packing their stuff up, or maybe when they shot a coyote or something. I don't know. And... <laughs> Forgot it, and there it was. It sat there for. I mean, you think you'd notice your, your your camcorder was missing, but I mean, I don't know. It was kind of, it was kind of crazy.
0: Just like that, their dreams of having a coyote hunting DVD went up in smoke.
2: Yeah, they're <laughs> gone. Oh, oh god! I've got their footage if they're ever looking for it. If, if you're listening, I got your camera too. <laughs> I still
1: have it.
0: That's wild, yeah. man. I, yeah. yeah, that's you to hear that story very often. We find a I walked into a stand once, found a mojo critter out there. I'm like, it was one of the spots. Oh, I thought this, you know, only spot. I was the only one that hunted it, right? Yeah, uh, no ever been here, right? Yeah, I walked out there. I'm walking out to set the call out, and there's a mojo critter <laughs> that they had left. I'm like, yeah, whoops! I guess somebody else thought this was a pretty good spot too, you know? Yeah,
2: <laughs> oh, that's yeah. funny. But no, we, but we we've done that on a few spots, so you know, I mean, there's a couple places, like I say, you know, stuff just I've. I mean, obviously, I've you know—he's been hunting out here for some years, and I've been out here for quite a few years myself too. Even before I lived here, uh, you know, I've been—I—I've I've been hunting in North Dakota for you know 35 years now. Um, so I mean, I've been out there for quite a while, and and lived out there myself now for what, uh, going on, almost 15 years now. I've been living out there, so um you know so I've been hunting a lot of ground over the years and we'll occasionally do that you know uh we'll, we'll go to a spot and they'll be like you know, oh and I'm like yeah I hunted right over there on this hill one time or you know or oh yeah just over the hill right there I've, I've made stands there before and I've
1: I still coyotes here so yeah our ground does cross paths quite a bit and I'm thinking the whole time I'm like dude I got a gold mine seeing five coyotes running across this pasture and they went into this cattail slough we need to hit it and I'm showing him on the map and he's like oh that's so-and-so's I'm like you you know where it's at, let me guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hunted it. I actually I hunted that cattail suit, called a double out of there once or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we never we never like if that happens, you know, we never I don't ever bring up like, well, I killed one here one time. I think we should do this, or he's like, Well, I killed one here. It's like kind of like I'm gonna take the caller here and he already knows where he's going downwind. And as long as I know where he's at and I'm not shooting that way, and he knows where I sit down. You know, he's plucked coyotes that have literally came right behind me before, you know, taking, trying to get to my wind. And luckily, you know, he's smart enough. I trust him. And it, you know, it's always as cautious when bullets are flying. But if I'm, if I'm down below a hill, I have faith, all the faith in the world that Chris is going to make the right judgment call, or maybe that coyote's too close to me. He's not going to shoot. Perfect example was Wednesday before you guys came out, we were just driving around to find some extra stuff, you know, and I went up and made a set. And he sat right by the truck because where we drove in, we had to stash the truck behind a road or a rock pile. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to take the call and go 200 yards up and over the hill into the wind. And you're my downwind. Unfortunately, if anything comes from X, you know, angle over here, like you're going to have to kill it, or you might not even see a coyote. That was the chance we were willing to take. Sure enough, I, you know, start doing my thing and all of a sudden I hear a suppressor crack and I was like, okay, sweet. So then I, you know, when she finished out the stand and I actually seen three coyotes standing out on the ice. So I crawled out of there cause I was exposed to them, but I don't think they couldn't really hear the sound. As I could see in my binos, they weren't paying me any mind. I think they're just dinking around on the ice. So I was going to crawl back up over the hill and come get them. And I come back to the truck. He's like, dude, this coyote, he's like another 15 feet or 15 yards. He was going to be like running you over. He's like, I had to kill him. I was like, cool, good job. Like, heck yeah, man. He's like, well, then I had another one coming in and he pegged the truck right away the way that's this one come. And, and I'm like, all right, well, let's get this coyote and maybe go put a sneak on these other ones, just sneak down into the slough and go get them. Well, we, there's just no way to do that. I mean, the truck, you know, it was a well beyond a three quarter mile walk to get to them where they were. And it was like, okay, we'll just save them for when Jeff and them guys come up. But it was funny. Yeah, that coyote was sneaking in literally to take me out And I had no idea what was going on the hill right behind me. And, you know, and that's happened in tournaments all the time. I I hear the suppressor crack and you can just tell the angle it's coming that when I think about the shot after the fact, it's like, holy shit, that, that coyote must be somewhere right behind me. And sure enough, I walk up over the hill going back to the truck and there's a coyote laying right there. So it's like I hook up to him and go and we meet back at the truck. But yeah, it happens a lot, you know, when you send a guy downwind like that. And like I said, that's how we've always hunted we've always broken down these sections unfortunately sometimes we get lucky with two mile by two mile sections where we already know right away like if we get in deep enough we can maybe make two sets and we're going to kill a coyote or multiple but a lot of these sets we have to split up so far apart to cover more because of where we have to stash the truck due to drifted over roads that you get down you know so that's kind of how we've hunted together and and like I said, that's maybe one thing I wish was on our side was time management when it came to running into stands, sitting down, getting down to business in a tournament, making something happen. If we can tell the coyote's not coming and he's out there a ways, we're going to either A, make a judgment call like, yes, we can use the train and sneak on this coyote. We do that a lot, and we'll sneak to three, four hundred, five hundred 500 if, if we can do it. And we'll shoot the coyote. I'll take off running or he'll do it, and I'll just run back to the truck and maybe drive around the section and pick him up but it'd be nice to be able to do those drop sets because I hunted a tournament two weeks ago out and killed deer. And that's how we, we did it. And it, it was fun because I got to hunt by myself. Like I love hunting with a partner and being in conjunction with each other with a downwind guy, but I didn't even know where my partner was. He was nowhere near me. He dropped me off and he would, t- he kind of knew this ground out in the badlands, you real rugged crap. And he said, you know, go over X, hill, get the wind right and just do your thing. You know, and it, it worked out in our favor. I mean, we killed eight coyotes and, Unfortunately, I think we only seen 11 or 12. So it wasn't, like, you know, we had massive amounts of numbers coming in, but it was cool to try that, you know, but like I said, in these tournaments, Chris and I hunt, it never works. It just can't work that way. You know, we can't drop set. There's just too much time walking into these sets with snowshoes on, or, or even if you're walking on the snow for 30 yards, and then you fall in for the next 20, then you're just like, this is far enough. I'm If I call a coyote, if there's one near me, I'm going to call him and kill him, you know, if, if, as far as I have to.
0: You brought up a couple good points, you know, downwind guys and drop stands, both of them are, are tactics that you can use to kill coyotes. So, you know, downwind stuff is to me, it's something I've always done, you know, early on, I saw the advantage to that, you know, especially hunting some of this more open stuff and even some of the tighter stuff, sometimes having a downwind guy, it's just a matter of how far that downwind guy gets put, right? <laughs> What I, t- you know, after talking to a lot of coyote hunters, I think what a lot of guys have the issue with is they're like, well, I want to sit at the call. I want to watch the coyote come run into the call, right? And everybody sits there, right? So they can see that same coyote and watch their buddy shoot it. And that's cool. But like you said, when you have a downwind guy, that's two, 300 yards ar- around covering a probably a low percentage spot, right? Honestly, you know, highest percentage is that the coyote's going to be somewhere where the call guy's going to shoot it. But is there a chance that the downwind guy could kill a coyote where I can't see? And if the answer to that is yes, then by all means, put a downwind guy there. You know, granted, he's not going to see the coyotes you shoot. You're not going to see the coy- But at the end of the day, especially from contest purposes, <laughs> that's all that matters, right? You don't have to see the coyotes that are getting shot as long as they're getting shot. No. Mm-mm, exactly. You know, in in
2: downwind all the time. I, I I love I love going downwind actually. Because, you know, and, and these coyotes out here, they you know, because, and I think maybe it's because it's big open country. I don't know. I mean, you you still get the coyotes that come charging straight into the call. You know, little angle wind or something. But boy, we just get so many coyotes that like to like to circle and take that wind. They like to like to run that 200 yards downwind of the call. You know, and they kind of swing around coming in like that. And I I, I kill a lot of coyotes on the downwind side when we when we set up like
0: that i have you like know I've, I've gathered set. some info over the years that like to me sometimes the more open the country the more the coyotes circle like because they can see right like it's like right,
2: right.
0: and they just have a tendency to want to fade a little bit more because it's like they can look up there and they can see everything that's going on it's like okay let's circle around and you know what's the fastest yeah. way for a coyote to really figure out what's going on right they that's use their right. nose
2: and, and they can see so well too, you know. I mean, it, it amazes me how how much they can see. Well, for example, we had actually after you left, we went and made a made some sets uh, that that next morning. And uh, the very first set was a spot that I really wanted to get us into because it was such a good looking spot. I've hunted that that ranch several times before, but not from this very particular spot. And I just really liked the the looks of it. Well, this coyote, you know, we talked about this earlier when we were we were sitting around. But here it was one of those coyotes that comes out and starts barking at you. Well, she was. It came to uh, I, I think I ranged it at like fourteen hundred and sixty five yards. Oh, <laughs> was chip the shot. Closest. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah absolutely I mean, you know another another thirty yards it was going down, you know. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but, I don't even think my turret goes that high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But she had she had come out at, to the top of the hill and and, and and she kept barking at me um you, you know, pretty regularly like that. But and, and from that far away, you know, and, and, and you can barely see her with the, with your naked eyes, you know, I mean she just you just, we you see her in the binoculars pretty well. But and so finally I I, I gave up obviously she wasn't coming in. And but when but as soon as I was done, I sat there for a minute or so and, and she's just kind of sat on the hill. And as soon as soon as I stood up, I mean in white camel in the snow, uh up against a rock pile, as soon as I stood up, she turned around and and, and tucked tail and ran. I mean saw me like standing up from that far away. It's just amazing how good their eyesight is be to do.
0: Well you know, I talk about this a lot, you know a, a huge tactical error that a lot of coyote hunters make and and not every stand can set up this way, but some stands, you have the option to say, okay, I can sit here and I can see forever or I can sit here and I can't see very far. I'm essentially calling the same place, right? 99% of coyote hunters are probably going to do what? Sit up high. They're going to sit up higher where they can see, right? Well, the problem with that is, is you're letting the coyote see, right? And we all know that every coyote doesn't come running in, right? Like a lot of them sit out there. I think a lot of times we we talk about it, right? We talked about it a lot up there when we were hunting. You know, a coyote checks up and pops up on the little hill out there at four, five, 600 yards. and just sits there, you know, and, and is looking. Well, obviously you can see it, so it can see where you're at. And you call and you change calls and you throw everything at it and it just turns around and walks off or or doesn't do anything, right? Could it just be for whatever reason that coyote's like, I'm just good. I can see everything, right? That you didn't, you weren't able to trigger maybe a little curiosity in that coyote or something like that. But now you take that same setup and you put some sort of visible barrier between you and that coyote, right? Whether that's another little hill, a tree line, brush, whatever it may be. Now that coyote can't sit out there at 600 yards. Will they still? Potentially, but you have that upper chance. Now that, that little bit better chance that, Oh, that coyote would be like, damn, this has got me thinking a little bit or however the, the process that a coyote uses. Right. And he's like, damn, I want to really know what's mm-hmm. going on over here. And guess what? Then they have to come, you know, to that, that top of that Hill or wherever it is. And now you brought them in range. And now, like I said, every stand, you can't set it up that way. And will coyotes come running? You'll see them from 600 yards. Oh yeah. But, You know, if you're struggling and you're like, damn, these coyotes just keep sitting out there at four or five, 600 yards and just look at me and bark and do all kinds of stuff. Then maybe it's time we say, okay, let's, let's make a tactical change in how we're making these setups. Let's purposely limit our visibility. And who knows? You might see uh, a little bit, something, you know, similar to that very last stand we made on the last day, you know, knowing how hard those coyotes came and you guys will see this on the last stand. I almost wish we would have been over the next hill, but we elected to check up a little short, so we were sitting on a bowl, right? And all of a sudden, those that pair of coyotes, it was so dark, they come flying up, but they got right to that lip about 100 yards across and checked up and looked, and we killed them. I mean, we would have killed them either way, probably, that particular ones, but just because they were running hard of the call. But that's the kind of setups that sometimes I think, uh, you know, can work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and I will talk about that too when we get to a set and he's, he already knows. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to go downwind. And it's like, okay, well, this stand's going to present itself a chance for me. I'm a disappear. You're not going to see me, but I'm going down into a valley and I'm going to go down into the bottom. So if anything does come up, you can just crack at it. If it's going downwind, I'm not going to see it. But yeah, it's the same thing. I always try and disappear from the downwind guy. You know, any chance I get if the terrain presents itself. That's the tricky part, you know, but... It, if I can walk another hundred yards, I'm going to walk another hundred yards just to get down below and get that call down and make sure that I'm concealed. You know, I like to lay on my belly all the time. I love to lay prone, but you know, as of late, I've been sitting up more, you know, because if I go down in those spots, it's tough to lay prone. And when you're that close to the call, you know, within a hundred yards, it's good to be able to sit down. If you're the one running the call, you know, for coyotes, you get multiple coyotes coming in one stand like if i can get one shot stop one get another shot and then shoot the one before it crests that last hill i'm hoping that i can either hit it or my partner's going to cover that thing and shoot him on the way
0: out of dodge so, so let me ask you this i don't ever sit in the prone but do, when you land the prone is it from a purpose of your shooting is better out of the prone or is it from the purpose that you think you're hidden better out of the prone uh, i would for say me, shooting
2: for me it's both definitely shooting both. Yeah, and, and, and I'm going to take a chance just to uh, just to clarify. Like, because the very first one you're going to see of me on
0: camera was missing a coyote. And, <laughs> oh, he's already, he's already he's already he's been thinking about this so, one for know, a while. Yeah, yeah
2: right. I'm, work, I'm working on it here, right? Know, it's so, been eating away at him. Yeah, yeah, it's been killing me, you know. But cause, you know, coyotes at 250 yards. I mean, our dead coyotes, you know, at least should be most all the time. Um, but I. I do, I don't shoot as well off of sticks. I, I actually miss a lot more coyotes shooting off of sticks just because of the fact that um, I'm not as steady if I'm on a, a set of sticks or bipods or something, you know. I mean I, I love getting laying down on my short pods of prone like that. And you know, you just got that three point rest and you're just you just rock steady, you know. They're just like I noticed on that on that particular coyote that was like I think I ranged at two sixty-five and
0: and I could tell in my crosshairs, I was watching. You know, it's facing me chest on, which you don't have a big
2: target when they're facing me chest on anyway. You got what five, six inches wide, and when you take all that fur off, there ain't much there. But I, I could see that crosshairs literally like bumping, you know, as, you know, just in my breathing or whatever it was. You know, I mean, I, it was wiggling just off of them, just enough, you know, and trying to get steady on them. And, when I lay prone, that just doesn't happen. That was like just that, the pressure of
0: the camera over your shoulder, Chris. I 100%. That, that probably wasn't it too. <laughs> I, I had a little bit to do with it,
2: maybe. But. Welcome,
1: welcome to the big leagues. That's right, yeah, baby. Yeah. You got to be able to handle yeah, that. You, you know. That's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know. So
0: to me, to me, that's a tactical decision as well, too, because anybody that I've ever known that that prefers the prone, and maybe I'm wrong. But talking to these guys, they usually lay up on the top of a hill, right? Like, so you are trying to get high vantage. But obviously, if you sit at the top of a high hill, you've realized, okay, I can't do that because I'm silhouetted. But laying prone, obviously, you don't have as much of a silhouette that the coyotes are going to pick out. Would you agree to that? I mean, it's harder to lay in the prone when you're halfway down on the side hill, right? Like, that's almost impossible when your legs are higher than your head.
2: Yeah, and those two go hand-in-hand, hand, too. Even shooting, like, if you're laying down for obviously, like, if you're on a, a little bit of a downhill, I mean, then you can't shoot, like, upwards because yeah. you don't have that, you know? So you, you need to be on top of that hill, you know? And, and I don't know. I guess I just think of, like, Mark Wahlberg and Shooter, you know I mean? you got got to be laying down
1: way <laughs> up there where nobody can see it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we take a lot of long shots, too. I mean, we, you know, if a coyote checks up at a hill and, it's just not coming. You're just throwing the book at him, and he's just sitting up there. Just sits down. We'll crawl. We've crawled right over. He's he's microphone, you know, on the walkie-talkie. Like, hey, I gotta, I gotta cut out here. That he's at like five inches of change or six hundred yards or three fifty, whatever it is. He's not coming. Like, let's one do this thing. And I've crawled, I crawled over with my snowshoes on, and we lay down. And you know, it's just one of them things. Like I always grew up hunting deer, you know, in a stand in Minnesota, and I always had to hunt off the rail of like my flip down on my stand and then when I cut my teeth on just doing it on foot then it was like okay if I can look down I'm gonna lay down because hey, I'm rock steady and I'm probably gonna drill this deer or drill this coyote you know if I got a good win and I can get that win right but I don't know I'd say honestly god maybe them first stands last year in South Dakota I was sitting down and I was like okay I can, I can do this this is you know I can I can figure out a way to make this another part you know because you know, not, not every stand presents itself that you can lay down. So it's like, yeah, it's got to bring your sticks with or, you know, swaggers on your gun, which I don't have. I used to run them, but they're just heavy, bulky for me, you know. But I definitely am sitting down more and I'm killing more coyotes because I noticed a lot of times when I would lay on my belly on a little bald hill or next to one blown rock. And I'd have that call down there and I had coyotes that come from the upwind side or the downwind side couldn't win me it's like i get two or three coyotes coming in and it's like i have to shoot the first one on the run cuz i can't get them to stop just on and then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and one goes this way one goes that way so then you're you know you're rolling on your belly and then you got to yep. get fixed and and just notice the more multiple coyotes i've been able to kill are sitting up you know when they check up after you shoot one and you're stressed well that's a given but it doesn't always happen like that so you know practice i practice it a lot now sitting on my ass you know and just shooting my target in the backyard or out in north dakota with chris like when i shoot my thermal i always sit down when i'm sighting it in i don't do it on my uh, tripod just because i i can you know rest my back up against the tire of the truck and shoot sitting down but
0: yeah you know that is a that it's, it's back to tactics too you know um i've seen that with guys like you know, guys that are want to usually lay up higher on the hill, they're used to shooting coyotes at 200 yards, right? But they're shooting off the prone. So it's good. So, sometimes I'm thinking to myself, you know, are they shoot in, shooting them at 200 yards because just their style of calling? They're up on top of the hill, laying, even though they're laying in their prone, the coyotes are still spotting them. So, but they don't know what they are. So the coyotes are all checking up at like 150, 200 yards and looking at them. And then that's when guys are whacking them because they're in the prone. They're ready to go. Right. Does that go hand in hand? Right. Like if you're going to lay on the, are you going to get coyotes to check up out there because they are seeing you on purpose on per, It's almost like almost purpose. Like that's just your style. I'm going to lay up here on the Hill in the prone. If the coyote sees me and checks up at 200 yards, who gives a crap? I'm going to blast because I'm in the prone. Right. You know, where the style that I've always hunted especially over the last 10 or 12 years, having all these new guys hunting with me, a 200-yard shot is, is not where I want people to be shooting at coyotes because the averages go way down. So I'm like, okay, yeah. how can we set up to where we can get these coyotes as close as possible? Because obviously, you know, percentages are going to go way up if we're making 100-yard, 100, 100 75-yard broadside shots all day long, you know? So it's oh, just, yeah, yeah it's a, yep. it's just a little bit difference in – in uh you know your style i guess is probably the best way to put that not that it's right or wrong it's just uh you know those styles kind of go hand in hand yeah
1: i think uh, now with, uh, with, uh, with
2: chris oh, go ahead i i thought you were just calling us horrible callers that we couldn't get them any closer <laughs> than to any guys that <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i like shooting them sprinting at the call right i like getting them running right, right at the call right. that's why i sit in the right, sitting right. so i can swing and shoot them running right at the call you know that's that's what I'm talking yeah. about, you know. <laughs>
2: but it, it, definitely strategy, though. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you, and, and I, I carry both. I carry my, my longer sticks for sitting, and, and, and I carry them in every stand, and I make that decision when I get there. I mean, there's some places that I know that I've hunted over years, but even now, like this year, there might be some places that I've laid down prone because I was, you know, and you talked about this about about a snowdrift. You know, in that great spot you said, because the fence, you know, the snow was up over the fence, and you could stand on the snowdrift and shoot. Yep. But then you go there, and there's no snow. And all of a sudden, oh, I can't stand up. You know, I stand up here, I can't see nothing when I'm, when I'm four feet lower because I'm not on the snow. Yep. Um, and so that, that, that plays like right now, you know, like when you hunted with us there, you know, we didn't have much snow. And so obviously your grass was tall. You know, you're not going to lay down nowhere, you're going to see nothing um, unless you're laying on top of a rock or something. Uh, so obviously you got you to sit. Um, and so that's, that's just something I just kind of adapt. And I, um, I actually am more comfortable to sit um than I am to lay prone. And, you know, obviously as i told you earlier, I'm getting older. Uh, I already disclosed kind of my age and but uh, <laughs> but I and so obviously it's harder for me to lay down prone my neck, you know, after a while I'm like, oh man, my neck's killing me also you know, I'm trying to lay there and look up and spot stuff. You know, it's, it's definitely harder that way. So it's a lot more comfortable to sit and you know and if I got decent cover, um I, I like to sit up and and be, be, I I can see around, I can turn my head and look behind me a lot easier and that kind of stuff. But um but like I say, if I, if I have the chance to lay down, I just feel like I'm steadier and I, and I, and I feel like I, I hide a little better if I'm laying down flat, it just depends on the situation.
0: Yeah. See, you really yeah. could have made Ricky not like us any more than he does already for dragging him around coyote hunting by making him lay in pr- prone beside you with the camera, <laughs> you know, oh, when you are yeah. running the downwind, you said, Ricky, you need to lay in the prone. He'd have looked at you like you're crazy.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll get him in on a little more of that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The other, the yeah, other piece of this we talked about was drop stands, you know, and I don't know if I've ever really talked about these on, on a podcast, maybe potentially when we were talking about contest tactics and stuff like that, you know, and, it, and it's a tactic for killing coyotes, you know, some contests they're illegal. You can, they're part of the rules. You cannot do yeah. drop stands, meaning both, both teammates have to stay together the entire hunt. You have to hunt together. You have to be in on the same stand. So obviously the tournaments you're hunting in, the rules will be different. So you'll have to watch that. But, if they do allow it, I mean, it's a huge tactical advantage because, you know, now you're essentially making two stands for the price of one, you know, by, you know, essentially, let's say if I'm hunting with Eric, I would drop him off right here and he would walk in and make the stand. I would go up the road to the next spot where that's a mile, half mile, whatever it may be. And then I run in and I make a stand. So you're essentially making two stands at the same time. Uh, another way to do that would be, Let's say there's nowhere to park a truck. Maybe it's flat, you know, nowhere to hide. But you're like, dang, this is a good spot. Maybe you saw a coyote back behind on a place you had to, and you could, a guy kind of just rolls out the side of the truck on the go and he jumps the fence, runs out in the pasture. And you just keep driving with the truck and he goes and calls and kills the coyote, you know? So that's really what we're talking about when it comes to drop stands um you're probably not something that you'll do if you're just fun hunting with your buddies because that's the part of it right you want to be together and you want to hunt fun yeah. but from a contest point if you're talking about how efficient can we be how many coyotes can we kill in a certain amount of time that's really what we're talking about when it comes to drop stands
2: even even particular spots yeah. i mean i've had a couple spots that i've been into that it's like you know when it, out in this country it's just big wide open flat but yet like maybe there's some cattail slews out there or something that you just know that have some coyotes in them but you know, every time you try and call it, you know, a coyote comes out and sees your pickup because you just can't hide it anywhere, um, you know. And so, so maybe you want to hunt that spot, you know. I mean, I'll I'll take and I'll, I'll have my wife drop me off and say, I'll, I'll call you in 15, 20 minutes when I'm done, you know, or she'll drop me off and I'll jump out the truck, and bail on, and go, go make a set, you know, because it's, dude, you know,
0: that's I the mean perfect that, thing. Just get somebody that doesn't even like to coyote hunt to drive you around and just drop you off on stands all day.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then go 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 around the I, I, Uber Uber. side of the section.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Bring your book, yeah, honey. Yeah. I'll call you when I'm yeah. when I'm walking back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah that, that tournament a couple weeks ago, that was the first tournament I've ever ever done that in. Because like the ones that I used to hunt in South Dakota, the big ones like the Troy Anderson, the Randy Roadie couldn't do that you had to be within i mean they say earshot but i think they put a number like you couldn't be more than 200 yards or whatever it was from your partner yeah, you got to be on so the same stand like
0: when, making the same stand yeah, together yeah yeah
1: and i can see why guys kill put up numbers that they do 100 you know there's reason guys put up 14 15 20 coyotes in a day when they can do that if the ground allows it and they already have their spots mapped out but it just goes back to we just don't have that possibility and yeah we can go find new ground where that could probably work but we've kind of figured out a pattern in these tournaments where we have the second place curse. Chris will tell you. It's just like, well, let's, yeah, I'll do the tournament, but you already know what's going to happen. We're going to tie with the same amount of coyotes as the winner, and we're going to lose in weight. And we're going to take <laughs> second place, walk away at a thousand bucks or whatever, you know. But We always joke okay. about that. Like, Chris's wall behind him, not there, but at his house when he'll call me or FaceTime me, it's like I can just see second place, second place,
0: second place,
1: second place, <laughs> second place. <laughs> Yeah. They do
0: call that the first loser. First place loser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, our, that's our cruise. Uh, could be worse. Could be worse. Let's, <laughs> let's finish this podcast out. Let's talk about our hunt a little bit, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: So, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give everybody a little behind the scenes thing. You know, when, when I'm looking at planning these last stand hunts, you know, I actually met Eric last winter. Um, he mentioned Terry a few times. I had done a coyote school up at, at the lodge that they're talking about and, and Eric and Terry and a few other guys joined the class and had a, had a hell of a fun time, killed a lot of coyotes and just through windshield time and just getting to know these guys, you know, they started talking about hunting up in North Dakota. Well, you know, out of all the States I've had a chance to hunt, North Dakota was not one of them. So it was on my list to hunt. So, you know, we talked over the summer and kind of started getting things going. And, and then once, you know, the, the summer ends and my baseball stuff ends and I start thinking about coyote hunting stuff, I start putting together these filming schedules and things like that. So I thought, you know what, uh, and of course, Lucky Duck always wants us to try to go to new spots, right? Like, we I mean, I could hunt in the Sandhills all the time and kill plenty of coyotes on camera and some of the other places we always go, but me personally, I love going to new spots, um, but yeah. it's just part of the deal when you're filming a show like that, you want to see new terrain. I love to show new people and new places and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, we put together this plan and uh, Eric was like, yeah, you know, Chris and I, between what we got, this will be a fun hunt. And I said, awesome. You know? So what I think a lot of people don't realize is I think very few people have ever hunted coyotes for three straight days, you know? like I don't know if you guys have ever hunted before this hunt, have ever hunted coyotes for three straight full days. You know,
1: I come out on Friday and scout hunt the Saturday tournament and I go home
0: Sunday. You know, I don't think people understand the amount of logistics, the amount of effort that goes in to lining up that much ground to, to hunt for three days straight. It's a huge undertaking, you know, and that's what you guys did Mm -hmm. for this thing. You know, I don't, you know, that's basically what I say is, Hey guys, you think we can do it? And that was all on you guys, man. Right. Like, let's say, Hey, I think we can do this. And you know, you guys put in the massive amount of work and effort it took to, to line all that stuff up. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And, and and weather, too, you know, I, of course, as you'll, you'll see, I mean, obviously, we we had some, the, the, the fun North Dakota weather. Welcome to you, North
0: Dakota, yeah.
2: Right, exactly, nobody wants to have, but, you know, I, and I tell you all, even, even, you know, my family, my brothers all come out, they come out, they come out and fish and do this and that. They say, oh, yeah, we're going to come out for a long weekend, you know, and that, oh, yeah, we'll get four days of fishing in, and I'm like, okay, so... What's really going to happen? You're gonna come up for a long weekend, and you're going to get one one good day of fishing, in and you're really going to fight with the wind and the weather and the battle that comes with North Dakota the rest of the days because that's typically what happens. I mean, it's, it's tough to put together three or four days in a row when you don't have high winds. I mean, it happens, yep. yeah, but uh, you know, obviously, like like the three days after you left would have been perfect, but oh yeah, like it usually is, <laughs> of course, but but you know, I mean, and so that's a struggle too. You know, just just trying. We can't plan the weather. I mean, yeah, the well, weekend, when we.
0: So when we put this stuff together in August, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not only coordinate with myself and my schedule with everything, you know, I was coordinating with Rick. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it on this trip, but then I'm coordinate with camera guys that live on the East coast. So they're buying plane tickets, you know, I'm coordinated, you know, we're coordinating with you guys. And then we're trying to coordinate around big game seasons and other things like that and try to find the, the best three day period. But we're making these you know, we're locking these three days in three months before we're gonna be hunting. So it's like, you know, it is what it is, right? When we head up there at that point, mm-hmm. we can do about it except grind them out, do what we can, and you know two total
1: opposite ends of the spectrum. We got sun I got sunburnt. I remember I got sunburnt on Thursday, and all of a sudden I think I was chapped, windburnt by Saturday night when we were at the restaurant eating steak.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yes, the first day it's 55 degrees, wind bloop. I may've got up 12, 15 mile an hour, not bad, but you're right, sunny, kind of a bluebird day for first part of December for North Dakota, right? You know Absolutely. And then the very Literally, next yeah. very next morning it's kind of overcast, gloomy, winds blowing a little bit. and by about eleven o'clock it starts spitting these big heavy wet snowflakes and it's just in a matter of an hour, everything's covered in white. We can't even run the cameras because it's just caked on everything, you know, winds blowing, you know, we called it quits about one o'clock on the second day. It just, we could have probably grounded out and, and and hunted, but you know, the camera guys are, are walking around with thousands of dollars worth of gear and they weren't real impressed that we were out there. So, <laughs> so I said, all right, let's, let's pull the plug, you know, and then the, and then the third day, you know, we got four or five inches of fresh snow. It's, you know what? Mid to high twenties, I think. But we had about a thirty right from the get-go at sunup. The wind was blowing thirty already, you know, and it stayed pretty consistent thirty all day, blowing snow. And maybe you know we didn't see a little bit of break in the weather or the wind till like the last two stands of the day, you know. But yeah, you just never know, mm-hmm. man. It's it, it's it's wild.
2: Yep, they rolling the dice with the weather. Oh, yeah,
0: that's what's something. With, you I remember seeing in
1: one of them stands.
0: Oh yeah, go ahead, Eric.
1: I just remember sitting on one of them stands. Of course, I went upwind a little bit. You were on one side of the tree grove, you know, and and uh, Cam was right next to you. And then I'm on the other side and I had stepped down into about three feet of snow, got my seat settled and I'm sitting there and you were like, we're going to make this an eight eight minute stand. Like it's going to, yeah, it's going to happen or it's not. <laughs> and I go to get up and I got snow drift coming <laughs> over my knees. My holes where I stepped in are already filled up with snow. It's just
0: like, yeah. oh, good Lord. <laughs> So I'm just, I'm just warning everybody when this, when this episode's come out, you're going to see some of the most awesome B-roll that you've probably ever seen. (laughs) Lots of us busting through drifts, pulling trucks out of drifts, snow blowing across the (laughs) landscape, you know, us walking in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, you know, talking about the wind and, you know, strategy for hunting in the wind. But, uh, yeah, wasn't a whole lot of action that day for coyotes, unfortunately.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: But that's one of those things too, you know, that's, and I've always felt my, found myself fairly privileged because of that. You know, I've been over the years, whether it started with contests um, and then progressing into doing like guided hunts and coyote schools and things like that, I've been forced to hunt a lot in days that aren't great, right? Most coyote hunters are looking at the thing and like, Hey, Eric, you want to go out hunting on Saturday? When's going to be 10? You know, okay, great. And then Friday night rolls in and all of a sudden they change the forecast to 25 monitor when you're like, nah, nah, let's, let's, (laughs) let's save that until it's the the perfect weather. Right. (laughs) I think that's the way most guys coyote hunt, you know, Absolutely. but to me, you don't learn anything, right? Like are coyotes still killable in those situations. Of course they are. You know, we didn't quite show that, but, uh, you know, coyotes don't go anywhere when the wind's blowing 30 or 40, they're still there. Are they locked way down? Yeah. Are they going to come running from a mile? Probably not. Um, you know, but like we talked about, we could have sat in the lodge and drank beer all day, but you know, we, you, yeah. you can't kill them in the lodge. That's the, probably the only guarantee there. Right. Like, yeah, for sure. Exactly. And, yeah. and if, if we'd have done that, nobody would have got to see my Toyota pull out the Chevy from the snowdrift. <laughs> you know, unfortunately the camera didn't show me all day long. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's yeah, they turn yeah. hey, hey, they are my cameraman. I gotta remember, remind you that I, I know, you know,
2: I know that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I even with a good
1: you know. <laughs>
0: I remember sitting in the truck when we
1: approached that snowdrift, and I looked at him and I'm like, let me get out and just go walk and see how deep this actually is. And I remember getting on the other side and I was like, don't do it, don't do it. And all of a sudden, I hear that engine just go, Vroom! and all of a sudden, I'm just like
0: wham. <laughs> Uh, yeah. no it was great man you know the first day we we killed six coyotes that first day you'll see that on the first episode when it comes out you know that to me the most probably the, my the the most fun stand was the stand where i killed my first north dakota coyote and then chris rolled the one on the back door out across the ice you know we were sitting on the opposite sides of the tree row and this coyote just comes flying up out of the tree row on my side and luckily i being a left-handed shooter i was on the right eric was kind of off to the left and Coyote busted out saw the call kind of spooked a little bit but checked up and i shot it well we had the second coyote coming in and you know we can't see this coyote and uh chris is over there with the second camera and he ends up rolling it out on the ice you know um but we got yeah. to test how thick the ice really was luckily it was thick <laughs> enough
2: <laughs>
0: that would have been a first chris if you'd have fallen through the ice going to get a coyote that would have made a last stand first you know,
2: yeah, well, and I remember, and I, and I figured at least if I would have fell, fell into my death, you could have recorded it for me.
1: And you know, he even said good. that he said that to the camera guys. He was like, You guys need to be filming this because if he goes in, I want to get that on <laughs> film.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell with yeah, well, Chris, it. I just want this on camera. Yeah, right. <laughs> Please fall through the ice, please yeah. go <laughs>
2: well,
0: through yeah. um, no, it. No, I was. It was a fun hunt, man. I, you know, I, I, you know, I had an awesome time, you know, I know you guys we are probably too. on the disappoint. I mean, if I was in your shoes after all the anticipation, right? Like anticipation, we're coming up, you save all this ground, you, you know, you have this three day hunt and then the weather just screws us. It's kind of like, God dang it. You know, it's just, it sucks, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I'll tell you guys, I had an, I had an awesome time. So don't, uh, don't feel bad. Like I said, I've been on uh, way worse adventures than, than right. and it was, and that weather had nothing to do with. Trust me. So, you know, yeah, yeah. for
2: sure. I, I had a great time too, and it, you know, and, and, the, and the pressure is you you feel that, you know. I mean, oh, like, it's pressure, like, isn't it? Like,
0: oh, yeah. you
2: know, and I'll tell you, like the it was the second day. I remember the second day specifically. We walked in, and I'm you know I'm trying to put together a plan of where we're gonna go, and you know, for for the wind we had and what we we're gonna do. And I remember getting out of the truck, and I'm like, and I told you guys, now you guys just walk up to that haystack up on the hill, and I and you you looked at me, and you're like, that that haystack, and Eric's like, like, Jeff pulls out his pulls out his
1: binos, and he ranged it, and he's like, (laughs) that's like 350 more. Yeah, well, well, let me tell you something, Chris, where
0: I come from, we just drive right up there.
2: And I, and I just remember seeing the look at you guys. I'm like, it's really not that far, you know. And I'm just, I'm used to walking like that out here a lot for coyotes. And we do a lot. now, yeah, we probably could have drove almost to the bottom of that hill, and you guys could have probably just walked like sixty yards up, and they're probably been the same <laughs> thing. But I, I just, I, I remember that. And I, and I was sitting down, and then, of course, you know, I went down one with Ricky, and we're sitting down there, and you know, and, and I don't know that he's got me on film with that, but because he was probably just filming, you know, the surroundings at the time. But but when I. I did, obviously I didn't see the coyotes that were coming in, but also I just I just heard that I just heard the guns go off and I heard a couple shots. And I just like had this gigantic sigh. And I was like, oh and I was like, Phew. you know, I just like like the pressure, like a weight just lifted off your shoulders. And I was like, oh man, if if we don't see any coyotes or we'll kill any coyotes, I mean it's like my street cred just went right out the window, yeah, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: I, you know it's funny because I did I just, I just like felt like this giant weight just lifted off my chest when you guys shot. You know, because little, little do you, little, little, back do back you, a little yeah. bit. You
0: know,
1: little do you know, we never even went to that haystack. Jeff, like this is far enough. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we can't see know. shit from the haystack. We're going yeah, over, we're here. over here. Is
2: good
0: <laughs> no, it, it is. I, you know, I, I joke with guys when, we, when we're going when we go hunt new places with guys, I joke with them about that pressure because it's easy, right? Like you start thinking about all that's, you know, I'm sure in your mind, you're like rolling through those, those stands we had made that you had made in previous years and all the coyotes you'd killed on those stands. And you're just like, Oh my God, why, Where? why are there no coyotes, man? And you're yeah, just yeah. thinking about all that. Right. And it's like, you're like, damn, you know, but it, it happens to all of us. I same yeah, thing no, happens yeah.
2: to me. Oh Yeah. <laughs> even when you go oh, out just just hunting hunting for fun you know i mean how many times you go out to a spot that you've you've killed coyotes how many times you go out to that spot and just that particular day it just doesn't happen for you you know i mean for whatever reason the, you know the coyotes are little farther away they, the weather was you know for whatever reason they don't it it just doesn't happen happen and you know unfortunately that's the way the way it works sometimes yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm. unfortunately we didn't burn any hundred percenters on that trip did we
1: we did not. Just, just okay, I just perfect. Won. I, I always just feel bad. Won. Just won. won the last one. You're like, save the, the best, <laughs> very best stand you have, Eric. And I was like, this. I'm gonna go ahead yes. and say it. This is a hundred percent spot.
0: Yep. That that was God. a tactical decision. We were looking at the weather. We're like, all right, God. the wind's gonna die right at dark. We're gonna have like one stand to make this happen. Yep. And I, Eric, I said game plan. And I said wherever you think it's gonna be the best, that's where we need to be in that last stand. And
2: oh, it was a badass
0: stand. I, I oh, can yeah, see why yeah. you guys have killed lots of coyotes there. You know, and, and
2: typically when we when we call that, and the wind was different, you know, for today than a lot of days. A lot of days when we call that if we got a little different wind, we got like a you know, like a like a west or northwest wind. Um, we'll call that almost straight up from where we parked the trucks, we'll get up on top of that hill up there. At least I do. Eric will go down kind of closer toward where you guys sat, and then I usually sit on that hill down on the on the end down there and and you know, just just every, every time, every time. I, I was time. Kind of circling around, and I went and shoot the coyote off of that hill on the backside, or, or or you know, or he'll shoot one over there, and I'll shoot one on the other side, you know. Just, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. this, this was the day, you know, if it happens. yeah.
0: You know. If I've learned anything over the last few years, the best way to burn a hundred is bring the cameras, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and tell and tell everybody on on film that. Oh, start to, yeah, and talk
0: about it. Oh, this is a hundred percenter, guys. This is going to be yeah, great. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And then, of course, our other 100% spot, the cameras weren't there when I when we went into that uh, waterfall production area. Yep. The cameras weren't there. And I told Mark to the to Chris, I'm like, I got to sit back here and watch that corner. It's just notorious. They come from this corner all the time. And sure enough, I'm sitting down there and one that pokes his head up over the hill. And it's like, well, if he keeps coming, he's going to catch the calls wind. So it's like, okay, shoot. And then all of a sudden I hear, you'll see in the video, I hear Jeff Swagger's going back into his gun. They're done. Call was shut off. And I look back and 20 feet away, here comes a little head poke up over the hill. And it's just like, oh, great. And there's no cameraman there too. So it's like, okay.
0: Yeah, that was my bad. I, you know, we had about three areas it kind of should have come is. from. I should have, you know, I, that's the one stand I was thinking about the other day. And I was like, you know, I should have just asked you a little more. I should have got a little more intel on the stand from you because, After we after the fact, and we started talking about that's where you guys normally see the coyotes when you're down in there, we should I I would have put one camera right there for sure, you know, and probably not even put the camera way downwind with Chris. We'd have brought both cameras to that point, you know, that rock pile Mm -hmm. we were sitting on, and we could have had coverage on both sides, you know. But yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess, you know. Can't get them all on camera. We do our best, but you know. (laughs) <laughs>
2: well, and in that case, too, like in that on that stand, I mean, that last stand of the day, I mean, we were like we were actually going to go a little further down, but we were running out of time and we ran out of daylight, you know. And so you just kind of kind of rushed in and like just like yeah, let's just do it, you know. Made a made a last minute set, and then you know sometimes that's that's what's got to work for you.
0: Yep, yep. Well, my last question for you, Chris, are you going to tell me what your little secret was seasoning on those uh, those steaks at the cafe? Good luck. Absolutely,
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hundred percent love.
0: 100% love <laughs> I've
1: tried I've,
0: tried, I really no, he, he, so. he I've even tried it.
1: to I've even tried to watch him And he's like why don't you go help I Do dishes While yeah. I cook these steaks It's like oh you, you would <laughs> Well I'm so, telling
0: If you are If you're listening listen, <laughs> <on out>. yeah. <laughs> Well if you're listening to this And you're ever up in Pettibone, North Dakota Or close to it Swing over to the Harvester's Cafe Chris what nights do you guys serve steaks? Is it only a certain nights?
2: Steaks are, steaks are Saturday nights. Yep, Saturday, nights, Saturday yeah, night. Saturday
0: night steaks. All right. So yeah. go on okay, in there. You get yourself a, when the ribeye. I don't know. the. It was a toss-up. But we had flay yeah. one night with the ribeye the other night. I don't know,
2: man. I I know. Was, They're both good. <laughs> One's a little bigger than the other, though, you know?
1: Heck, heck, yeah. <laughs> I, asked, but, I asked for medium, and he gave me uh, uh, rare. And it's like, I'm not going to even argue
0: just eat it just eat it this yeah Open so it. <laughs> yeah heck yeah well fellas it's been fun yeah. what That's, uh actually, you, i know you guys you guys do social media a little bit right if somebody wanted to follow along your your exploits i'm sure you guys post some stuff on, on coyote hunting here and there and things like that what uh what's your tag handles on on that kind of stuff
1: chris is a big snapchat guy
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can see it from from the twenty seven times I put my earbuds back in my ears how how technical of a person I really am here, uh, you know. But no, I, I I do get on Facebook um uh, a little a little bit. I, I don't post a lot. Of, Eric, you probably post more stuff like videos and stuff. Eric, Eric posts a lot of stuff. Just on, need to,
0: hey, you want to talk coyote hunting? You just swing into the cafe. Chris, Chris would love to. He'll talk coyotes with you all day.
1: He'll talk him, but he's not taking you out. So don't. Yeah, have
0: yeah. It. <laughs> no, I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> No, i got an instagram i got an instagram but i don't do much with it i get it's just my name eric yes, name. scott so scott. yeah i do my, my boat business i put up a lot of boat business and just some
2: recap pictures of a week
1: but i don't get into it too much you know i just it's tough you know you don't do it very often you know And the times i do it's like i always forget my phone in the truck so i can never capture things on stand so actually I, i'm oh, yeah. starting to film A little bit more now and gonna try and compile like a little kill kill video so
0: Instagram reels that's where it's at no I know I know
2: (laughs) (laughs) myspace (laughs) myspace yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh,
0: well fellas it's been fun man I really appreciate you guys lining up the hunt Uh, you know I had a hell of a good time hunting with you guys uh, I'm going to be back. Uh, that's okay, for sure. Yeah. Just awesome country. I, you know, that, that, do they consider that the prairie pothole region?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, the yeah. central North Dakota is, that's the pothole region. And that's why, you know, we have all those rush flows and so much water and stuff yeah, around yeah. the area. Um, that's, you know, really within probably a, 100 square mile radius right there of where we are that is the heart of the prairie pothole region right there. Yeah. Um, it's just awesome. You'll see
0: if, if you're watching the last stand episode you know we got some drone footage and stuff like that where you'll see just just these little ponds and marshes and big lakes too just scattered all over rolling hills in between buck brush ag you name it. I mean just a coyote paradise man. I can see why you know the coyote numbers are what they are up there just because of that uh, that habitat. So Yeah. Pretty That's awesome. Good yeah thank you well guys i want to thank you for listening for another episode here of eastman's predator pros like always i appreciate your feedback um you know those five-star reviews on spotify go a long ways um to be honest with you the sponsors don't listen to this podcast they don't know how cool it is and how awesome it is uh but they do take a quick peek at those reviews and that gives them a insight onto onto how the uh, the podcast is going so i appreciate all that Um, if you're looking for more information about myself, you can go to my website, which is coyotecraze.com. That'll get you links to my social media stuff. Um, Eric's over there flashing the merch a little bit, you know, the coyote fear me hoodies. Um, you gotta be on my Instagram page, which is at Jeff Nimnick. Find those every now and then, you know, but, uh, but yeah, go over my website, coyotecraze.com. That'll get you links to, um, the last stand videos too. So, Got, uh, you know, this North Dakota Hunt. There'll be a couple episodes coming on that, and then we're going to finish up the season with some thermal stuff down at Rick. Rick's. So, um, but like I mentioned with the sponsors, we can't do that without, without them, so need to thank them. Sig Sour Optics, Swagger Bipods, Hornady, Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Silencer Central, Cryptech, Juniper Mountain Coffee, Onyx Hunt, and, of course, Eastman's for putting this all together and bringing this to you guys. I think there's still time. Tag Hub, uh, if you're a big game guy looking for uh, application stuff out west, Uh, their Tag Hub stuff's going big right now. I don't do it, so I'm the worst guy to probably promote it and tell you about it. But if you're into that stuff, go over to Eastman's.com and check out (laughs) the Tag Hub, and uh, you can find out everything they got going there. But once again, guys, appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast.